Welcome to the Larry Crawford Leadership Podcast, a podcast designed to come alongside you and help you become the leader you were created to be. You may have heard the saying, in 49 states, it's just basketball, but this is Indiana. This past week, we had a great icon, one of my heroes growing up, pass away, Coach Robert Montgomery Knight, Coach Bobby Knight. Growing up in Indiana, we played basketball all year long. Uh, we played basketball all four seasons, outside, inside, wherever we could play basketball. The movie Hoosiers, I'm sure you've seen it. If you haven't, you need to. There is a basketball goal behind every house in Indiana. One of the first Indiana hoodies that I had, matter of fact, I think it was the first hoodie I had, it literally said on it, Indiana on the front, and then on the back it said, it's nighttime. In all seriousness, I used to pray for Coach Knight's salvation. I prayed for decades for him to come to Christ. He was one of the greatest coaches of all time. As a matter of fact, when he retired, he was the winningest coach in college basketball. Why was he? Well, Coach Knight made average players good. He made good players great, and he made great players better. Coach Knight made average players good, good players great, and great players better. Let me share some of his achievements. First of all, he's a Hall of Fame coach. His accomplishments are legendary. He went 902 wins to 371 losses during a 42-year head coaching career that included stops at Army from 1966 to 71, Indiana 1972 to 2000, and Texas Tech from 2002 to 2008. His coaching record in Indiana was 662 in 239. That's a 73.5% winning percentage. He was 353 and 151 in Big Ten play. That's a 70% winning percentage. From the plaid jacket to the famed red sweater, the name Bob Knight became synonymous with Indiana University basketball. And in his 29 seasons with Indiana, no one could deny him that distinction. The general led the Hoosiers to three national championships. The greatest accomplishment in the Bob Knight era was the 1975-76 national championship run where the Hoosiers began the year as the Associated Press preseason number one team, and they carried that ranking all the way through the season to Knight's first and the school's third NCAA championship. Actually, they say that the team the year before was even better until Scott May broke his arm and they lost in the Final Four, or they could have won back-to-back. That squad also was the last team, 75-76, to finish the season perfect with a 32-0 record and an 18-0 Big Ten mark. Knight's second title came during the 1980-81 season when Isaiah Thomas led the squad to an NCAA title over the North Carolina Tar Heels. I remember watching that game. The squad's final championship, and I remember this one as well, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. It came in the 1986-87 season when Keith Smart hit the game-winning shot to defeat Syracuse in the national championship game. My college roommate, Craig Scott, and I, both attending Lincoln Christian College and Seminary at the time, we were watching the game, and as we were watching the game, when, when the ball came, we were expecting Steve Alford to get it. The ball gets kicked out to Key Smart. He shoots it. It goes up, and it goes in, and when it went in, we both jumped up in the air and began hugging and celebrating, and when we did, I busted Craig's lip, even made it bleed, but we were so happy celebrating, we didn't care at the time. 
Coach Knight also led them to one NIT championship, 11 Big Ten conference titles, five NCAA Final Four appearances, four times he was named National Coach of the Year, five times he was named Big Ten Coach of the Year. Knight's career saw numerous achievements by both the coach himself and his players. As I mentioned, he was awarded the National Coach of the Year honors, and those years were 1975, 76, 87, and 89. And then in 1984, he coached the Olympic team to the gold medal. Now let me take some time on this episode to share with you very quickly 10 leadership lessons from Coach Knight. 10 leadership lessons. Number one, lesson number one, involve everyone. Everyone matters. We say at Open Arms, you matter here. At Indiana University, every player mattered to Coach Knight. I want you to notice that when you watch Indiana basketball, that unlike many other teams, there are no individual names on the back of the basketball jerseys. The reason, very simple, but also very significant. Everyone played for the name on the front of the jersey, not for the individuals, but for the university. As the school song goes, Indiana, Indiana, we're all for you. He also had his players pass four or five times before they shot the ball. This was to get everyone involved in the game, to have everyone touch the ball, be alert, be ready, and be in the game at all times. What can we learn from that as a leader? Making sure everybody's touching the ball. Make sure that everyone you're leading in your organization, whether it be a church or whether it be a business, that they're touching the ball, that they're attentive to the game, that they're alert, and that they're ready all the time because the ball is coming their way and they need to not only catch the ball, but they need to know what to do with the ball when they catch it. And so involve everyone because everyone matters. The second leadership lesson we're going to learn from Coach Knight is make practice harder than the game. Make practice harder than the game. The key is not the will to win. Everybody has that. It's the will to prepare to win that is important. Coach Knight said that over and over again. Let me say it again. The key is not the will to win. Everybody has that. It's the will to prepare to win that's important. Coach Knight was all about preparation. And he held tight to the notion that practice is just as important as the game. As my friend John Maxwell says, many people come to him and they say, I want to do what you do, and I want to have what you have. And he looks at them and he said, I understand you want to do what I do, you want to have what I have, but are you willing to do what I did? Are you willing to do what I did in order to be able to do what I do and to have what I have? Make practice harder than the game. In other words, preparation matters. We need as leaders to be prepared in all situations, and we need to make sure that our team is prepared for all situations. The third leadership lesson from Coach Knight is practice thinking. Always ask questions, especially why. It's imperative that whoever you're leading knows why you're asking them to do something and why are you wanting them to do it a certain way? When we make the why clear, we make the way clear. Simon Sinek says, if we learn to start with why and share the reasons that we're passionate for our work, we give people an opportunity to connect with us on a deeper, more human level. People don't buy what we do, 
They buy why we do it. People don't buy what we do. They buy why we do it. There's a story Coach Knight tells about Randy Whitman, who was one of the greatest thinkers in the game, and he was coming down with the ball and in a practice, and Uwe Blop, who was there, and, and if you knew him, he was a huge guy and, and uh, became a really good player. He was one of those players that Knight just made better and better, but he wasn't very good with his hands. He wasn't very good at free throws either, but he wasn't very good with his hands. And uh, Whitman came down, and he, he, he saw the corner of his eye, and he threw it, and it went right through the hands of Uwe Blop. And, and Knight stopped the practice and said, Whitman, that was the dumbest play I've ever seen. And so a little bit later in the practice, they come down, and here comes Whitman again, and he sees the same thing lining up Knight does, and he thinks, well, he's not going to do this again. Sure enough, Whitman throws the ball, but as he throws the ball, he realizes that the person that he's throwing it to is Uwe Blop, and he tries to catch his own pass. Have you ever seen someone do that, where they go to throw it, and then they try to jump after it? He said he, he jumped so aggressively at, after it that he actually hit his finger on it, but couldn't stop it, and the ball went right by Uwe Blop, and Uwe Blop did not even try to catch it. And so he stops the play, and he says, Uwe, why did you not try to catch the ball? He said, Coach, that was the stupidest play that I'd ever seen that you'd ever seen, and I was not going to participate in the stupidest play when he did it again by trying to catch the ball. <laughs> See, we need to practice thinking, practice thinking, we need to think about what we're doing. Be strategic in our thinking and make sure our team knows why we're asking them to do what we're asking them to do. The fourth leadership lesson from Coach Knight is keep it simple. Many coaches try to put together a complex uh, play uh, book and uh, all these different things. And Coach Knight had a great playbook, but he also kept it very simple. In other words, they were able to execute. See, many coaches try to have so many plays their players don't execute well because it gets too complicated. He made sure every player knew what was expected of them and how to execute. What can we learn from that as leaders? As leaders, we need to make sure that we don't make things complicated. Sometimes leaders make things that are very simple complicated. What we're supposed to do as leaders is take things that are complicated and make them simple. And so keep it simple. Leadership lesson number five from Coach Knight, eliminate mistakes. Now, there's one thing that he would not tolerate, and that was foolish mistakes, turnovers. He would call a timeout. He would take you out of the game, and he may not put you back in the game. But you know what I noticed when I watched Coach Knight? I would see him do it on the sidelines, and then I heard about what he did in practice as they watched game film. He would take those mistakes and he would turn them into teaching moments. He would turn them into lessons so that the next time the player would not make the same mistake. You see, the team that eliminates the mistakes, the team that makes the fewest mistakes, the team that has the fewest turnovers is typically the team that comes out on top and wins the game. And that's true in every area of life, whether it be ministry, uh, whether it be a business. We want to eliminate mistakes so that we can be more effective in doing what we're trying to do, and especially when we're doing it for God, which we're called to do everything we do for God. The sixth leadership lesson from Coach Knight is don't micromanage. If you ever watch during the end of a close game, you'll see often that coaches will call a timeout to set up a play 
And often, Coach Knight wouldn't. As a matter of fact, I remember thinking, time out, time out, time out. But he often wouldn't call a timeout. And when asked why, he said he prepared the team in practice for those situations. So they knew how to execute. Plus, he said, when you call a timeout, you give the other team a chance to set up their defense. See, Coach Knight felt that basketball is often overcoached and undertaught. And I believe that in leadership positions, there are many that overcoach and underteach. In other words, we're always trying to coach in a situation which is important at different times, but we underteach. We don't prepare our team for the situations before they come. If we prepare our team by teaching them concerning what may happen and preparing them for every situation that we can before it happens, then when the situation happens, they're in a better position to execute what needs to be done. And Coach Knight did that very well. As leaders, when we prepare those we are leading, then they are ready when it becomes game time. When we prepare those we are leading, they're ready in a game situation when the game is on the line. Leadership lesson number seven from Coach Knight. Be demanding. Don't accept status quo. (laughs) If you watched him, you know that he was demanding. There's stories of practices that took place at midnight. There's stories of of, of practices that took place at 5 in the morning. There's stories of practices that took place throughout the night. You see, be demanding and don't accept status quo. It doesn't just mean that. But it means always looking for better ways. Never stop learning, and you'll never stop growing. You can always find something to improve upon. Playwright George Bernard Shaw said, Some see things as they are and ask why. I see things that could be and ask why not. In other words, as leaders, we need to expect the best out of our team. Don't let them settle for good when they can be better. Don't let them settle for average when they can be good. Don't let them settle for good when they can be great. Don't let them settle for great when they can even be better than that. Never stop learning. Always have something that you're working on that you're improving on. You know, get with your team and say, what's one thing this week? Or what's one thing in this area of ministry or this area of our business that we can make better and then work on making it better? Number eight, I love this one. This one cracks me up. Uh, Leadership lesson number eight from Coach Knight, don't talk too much. (laughs) That comes from the coach that screams and and hollers and occasionally throws a chair. But he, what he challenged is he said, get yourself a degree from the shut-up school. Get yourself a degree from the shut-up school. Don't talk too much. And and here's what he said, self-promotion and gloating never have a place. Let your product or your performance do the talking. Self-promotion and gloating never have a place. Let your products or your performance do the talking. You know, the Bible says in James that we're to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to wrath. Now, I'm not sure Coach, I'm not sure coach got that right all the time because sometimes he would, it appeared that he was quick to wrath. But, but the challenge is this, is don't talk too much. We have two ears, one mouth. Listen, and listen with active listening. In other words, listen to understand. 
listen to get better. Sometimes we just need to go to the school of shut up and listen so that we can become more effective as a leader and as a team player. Number nine is pay it forward. Pay it forward. Leave others better than when you found them. Are others better when you leave them than they were when you found them? Are others better when you lead them than they were before you began to lead them? Are others getting better as you lead them? Or are they staying the same or even getting worse? See, there are many things about Coach Knight that many people didn't know because he didn't publicly go around talking about it. Let me give a few ways that he helped pay it forward and ways that we can help pay it forward as well and teach our team to help pay it forward. First of all is help people who can't give back. Help people who can never give back to you. In other words, you don't give to get. You give and you help because you want to. Help people who can't give back. Uh, through the years, Knight did countless selfless giving things behind the scenes, but he never wanted publicity. He gave millions of dollars of his own money to help causes of diversity and education. He visited dying fans. He helped struggling college students and professors find their way. I've discovered uh, in my research story after story after story of how Coach Knight would help people who could never, ever repay, who could never, ever. He, he didn't do it for that reason. He did it because he cared about people. Remember, everyone matters. He cared about people, and he wanted to help people. And as leaders, we need to lead that way. You know, the greatest leader of all time, Jesus Christ, said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you need to become the servant or the slave of all. And then he said this, the son of man, talking about himself, did not come into this world to be served. He could have said, man, I am God in the flesh. Take care of me, serve me, wait on me. But he said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for all. In other words, sacrificial service. The second thing is under paying it forward, leaving others better than when we found them, is help others in your field become better. Coach Knight literally changed the way high school basketball coaches ran their defense and drew up their plays. He gave teachers inspiration with his focus on academics. He became an idol to diehard fans. He became a, a revered symbol to men and women of what passion, hard work, and grit could produce. High school basketball coaches idolized him. Now, here's something you may not know about Coach Knight. He would open his practices at Indiana University, which were off-limits to the public, and often off-limits to the press. But listen, he would open them up to Indiana high school basketball coaches. And for nearly three decades, those coaches would descend on the Bloomington campus, soaking in everything they could from Coach Knight, designing their plays around what they watched him do. There's a quote here that says, I think most of the coaches that started out in the 1970s and 80s idolized him, said Jimmy Howe an Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame coach who attended Knight's practices. As Knight coached at IU, Hal coached high school at Mount Vernon, Muncie South, Brownsburg, and LaPelle. And he watched the game change. And here's what he said. The reason high school teams today have all the motion offense is because of what Knight instilled when he started at IU. The motion offense that, that schools use all the time that's made them very successful was learned because Coach Knight allowed coaches 
to come to his practice. Also, him playing man-to-man showed it could be done. The ball movement they had when he was coaching, the screening. He had a lot to do with setting screens for players, especially off-ball screens for shooters. These high school coaches learned it by coming and watching Coach Knight run his practice. High school coaches also started using role players because Knight did. Players who probably weren't going to score but were good rebounders and fierce defenders. In other words, it goes back to what I said in the beginning. He would take a player, and every player that he took, every player he coached, if they were coachable and they were teachable, when they left him and even while they were with him, they became a better player. He would find their strengths. Maybe it's rebounding. He would find their strengths. Maybe it's defending. He would find their strengths. Maybe it's scoring. And they would excel in that area, and they would get better in that area, and, and also overall. One other thing high school coaches admired about Knight's teams is that they were so disciplined. A lot of coaches wanted their kids to do this. They tried to get their kids to do this, and, and, and they couldn't, and, but Knight did because Knight demanded it. I love what Coach K said. You talk about paying it forward, and, and, and we're going to talk about uh, how the difference that he made in the lives of so many. But Coach K, uh, see, when Coach Knight retired, he was the winningest coach in college basketball. Coach K ended up passing him up to become the winningest coach in college basketball. The greatest legacy and the greatest thing that can be said about you as a coach or you as a leader is that the one that you train up, raise up, and, and pour your life into far exceeds anything that you do. See, that's my passion as a father. That's my passion as a pastor, as a leader, is that I want my kids to become way better and do far more and exceed and become far better at what they do than anything that I've ever done in my life. That's also my passion for leaders that I raise up and for people that I pour into. I want them to become better than, than I am and better and do more things than I was ever able to do and be more effective and then help others do the same. Coach K said, we lost one of the greatest coaches in the history of basketball today. Clearly, he was one of a kind. Coach Knight recruited me, mentored me, and had a profound impact on my career and my life. This is a tremendous loss for our sport, and our family is deeply saddened by his passing. We offer our sincerest condolences to Karen, Tim, Pat, and their families during this difficult time. Another way that Coach paid it forward, left others better than when he found them, was he would fight for and invest in others. It was 1989, and I'm not sure I'm saying the name right of the governor, but it's B-A-Y-H. Governor Baugh had been in office just two weeks as governor of Indiana when his receptionist walked in to tell him he had a visitor. The visitor's name was Bob Knight. And, and, and he was adamant that he needed to talk with Governor Baugh. I said, well, okay, sure, show him in, Baugh said. Knight walked into the governor's Indiana State House office, and the coach wasn't really smiling, but he didn't look mad either. Baugh had no idea why Knight was there. At first, they exchanged pleasantries, and Knight congratulating Baugh on his new office, and Baugh telling Knight how he was a 1978 IU graduate from the air when Knight coached the, his teams to two seasons that included only one loss, and Knight smiled. Then Knight got down to business. He needed Baugh's help. You see, Governor, we've got a problem with drug use by too many kids in our state. Baugh agreed and encouraged Knight to go on. Frankly, they won't listen to me and they won't listen to you, Knight said, but they adore basketball players. Knight was incredibly worried about drug use among Indiana youth, authentically worried, Ball said. 
It kept him up at night. He cared deeply, and he desperately wanted to do something about it. Inside Ball's office that night, or that day, Knight told the governor he had produced a video getting NBA stars Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, and Kevin McHale to look straight into the camera and tell kids why they shouldn't do drugs, why they were bad, and how they wouldn't succeed in life if they turned to drugs. Now get this. Knight not only got those star players to do that, but he used his own money to produce that video and to make thousands and thousands of copies. He offered those videos to Bob, pleading with him to make sure they were shown in middle schools throughout the state. Of course, Bob was all in. But that interaction with Knight left him with a newfound respect for this IU coach, one that had nothing to do with basketball. He just did that because he cared about our youth, said Ball. He never got any publicity for that, and he didn't want any publicity for that. When we lead, we need to fight for and invest in others. We need to do things that help others, not so that we get credit, not so somebody can say, oh, look at what they're doing. We need to do it because we care about people And we want to help people overcome their struggles, overcome their problems. Even when it has nothing to do with our corporation, whatever we lead, we want to do it because we care about them. And we want to see them become everything that God created them to be. The tenth and final leadership lesson, and there there are far uh, too many. I mean, we could go on and on, but we've got to end here sometime here. You're probably about the end of your workout, your drive, maybe your time. Number 10, focus on who they can become, not just on what they can do for you. Focus on who your players, who your employees, who your team can become, not just on what they can do for you or your organization. You see, Coach Knight really inspired us as teachers. Uh, One teacher said by the name of Debbie Mutterspaul, and I'm not sure I'm saying her name right. She was a young and -and up-and-coming teacher in the 1970s who admired the academic discipline Knight instilled in his players at IU. She was a little girl who watched Indiana basketball. Her mother, Vera Sackett, born in 1912, was a diehard fan, and in her 60s, 70s, and 80s, she became a diehard Knight fan. You never talked to her when Bob Knight was playing, Mutters Paul said at her mother's funeral in 2005, because she didn't want to be bothered during the game. (laughs) Sounds like me when I'm watching the Indiana game. Growing up, Mutters Paul was well aware of Knight's basketball prowess, on the court, but after graduating from Lawrence Central High, getting her teaching degree, and becoming a first-grade teacher at Indianapolis Public Schools, Mutters Paul was inspired by Knight's focus off the court. As she taught children at inner-city schools, Mutters Paul watched Knight give his own money to libraries and causes that helped urban youth. She watched as he insisted that all of his players study hard and graduate. He had one of the highest graduating percentages of any coach that coached college basketball. As an educator, I thought that was wonderful, Mutters Paul said. He really inspired us as teachers. A lot of people focused on negative things. Knight did. Mutters Paul always focused on the positive. And she is sure he didn't just inspire her, but countless other teachers throughout the state. He was Bobby Knight, she said, an icon at the time, a hero. I mean, he was Bobby Knight, said Mutters Paul. And he was out there telling the world how important education was. See, Knight stood up for important what some people call old-fashioned things. He cared about his basketball players getting an education. He rolled them hard if he heard they were screwing around in class. And if they made a pattern of cutting classes, 
Well, uh, then he they didn't play in his games, period. That was it. You don't go to class, you don't play. Doesn't matter how good you are, doesn't matter who you are. Coach Knight helped endow two academic chairs at Indiana. He was generous to charities. He had a philosophy that uh, you yell and scream at your best player, the guy who's playing well, and then your other players will think, well, if Coach is mad at that guy, what does he think of how I'm playing? <laughs> he thought other coaches had a tendency to coddle their star players. Knight didn't care how talented a player you, you was. He was still not – he, he, he didn't care how talented a player he was. He was still not good enough, and he was still not immune from Bob Knight screaming. As a matter of fact, I read some article where they were talking about that when he was coaching the Olympic team, uh, or one of the teams that even it had to be the Olympic team, that he was even yelling at Michael Jordan about how he could do better. Coach Knight had a simple system to make sure his players went to class and did their homework. He had a card on every player, what classes the player was taking, whether or not he showed up for class, what his grade point average was in class, and if players were doing poorly, and Coach Knight was the sole judge of what poorly meant, he uh, told his players to report the gym at 5 a.m. And here's what happened. He met him at the gym, told him his academic failings had put the basketball program in a bad light, told him to start running the stairs of the gym bottom to top. He made the player do that over and over and over before he could leave the gym. Coach Knight was proud that although... He'd had to do this many times to Coach Knight was proud that although he had to do this many times to one player or another, he never had to do it twice to the same player. <laughs> sounds, sounds like his system worked really well. He wanted his players to be part of the student body, to meet interesting professors, to do their coursework, and to have real college experience. When Network TV wanted to broadcast Big Ten games in primetime, most of the Big Ten coaches were delighted. It meant more money for their schools, more exposure for their programs, which helped with recruiting. But Bob Knight was the only coach in the league who spoke out against it. He wanted his kids in bed by midnight. He wanted them in bed by midnight. He wanted them to do homework every evening. And he didn't see how it was possible if Indiana was playing games that started at 9.30 p.m. at night. When Knight found out one of his best players, Joby Wright, was going, was, uh, wasn't going to class, Knight put a stop to it. And when Wright's pro career ended after four mediocre years, Knight was on Wright to return to Indiana to get his degree and then to get his master's degree. He, he hired Joby Wright uh, on his coaching staff, and Wright ended up being a ba head basketball coach at two Division I schools. I mean, look what Knight did. He, see, he cared about the players. He made others better. If we're going to lead and we're going to lead well, then what we need to do is focus on who the people we're leading can become, not just what they can do for you or I as a leader or the organization that we are leading. Let me wrap up with a, with a quote from one of my favorite players that I watched growing up. We were uh, similar in age, and, man, I, I loved to watch this guy play, and uh, he was a strong Christian and is strong Christian to this day and is a coach in college basketball, but was a player for Coach Knight. Uh, you may recognize his name. His number was number 12. He was the one that I thought was going to take the winning shot in 1987. All the focus was on him. And then Keith Smart, who was a phenomenal player and a phenomenal guy, made that shot. Remember, I busted my roommate's lip. Well, here's the quote. Bottom line, Steve Alford said, bottom line, he made me a better man and player. Notice he said, a better man and player. He didn't say a better player and then a better man. He made me a better man and a better player. He promised me that I would play with great teammates. We would have a chance to win championships. I would get my degree and I would have a friend for life. 
Not only did he check those important boxes, he has done so much more for me. You see, Coach Knight, many know him because of how he chewed the media. Many know him because of his flowery language. Many know him for how he worked the officials. Many remember him for throwing the chair across the court. But many don't know that Coach Knight was not only a phenomenal coach with a phenomenal record, but he was a great leader. He didn't always get it right. But as you can see from these 10 leadership lessons, every one of these are things that you and I as a leader, and remember, all of us are leaders because leadership is influence, as my friend John Maxwell says, and every one of us are influencing someone else. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. In honor of Coach Knight, I want to challenge you as I am to take these 10 leadership principles and look at which ones you can improve upon. Look at each one and rate how you're doing. Get with your team and focus on which ones that you can get better so that you can lead like you have never led before. And that as you're leading, and when you're done leading, the people that you're leading will be better because they were led by you. Thank you for listening to the Larry Crawford Leadership Podcast. For more information or to download the leader guide for this episode, you can go to our website, larrycrawford.live. To get in touch with us, send us an email at leadership at larrycrawford.live.